one. Four-day losing streak. Will it be snapped today? Some decent earnings from some big guns. We weren't expecting decent earnings this quarter. We'll dissect those earnings reports. We will talk to me, Schneider, at 835 about the bond market. It's Tuesday. Are we turning around? It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders and investors, we got a lot of green on the screen. S&Ps are up 22 and three quarters handles, 4264.50. Still off the high from yesterday, well off that closing price. The buck up 36 cents at 105.69. The bonds down just a little bit less than a half a point, 109.18. Crude rebounding after yesterday's decline, up 35 cents. Gold in the red by 13 bucks, 1974.80. Silver, that's in the red by 22 cents at 22.99. The big mover, the big winner this morning off the ETF is Bitcoin futures. They're up 10%. That's $3,160. So we are starting out in the green here. Let's bring in Triple D and uh, Triple D. You know, we've been doing the show for a long time. We've had different guests on the show talking about uh, the markets. But when it comes to inflation, who is, where is Triple D? Is he there? Brought me in. I'm right here. Okay. I was hiding in the background. He had to let me in. Yeah, let me in. When it comes to inflation, okay, who do you think is probably, you know, given us like a pretty good background and pretty good timing on things which guest yeah which guest no we've had a number of good guests obviously with inflation and we know i'll give you a hand an economist yeah cme economist yeah blue okay he's my so yeah so after the ackman tweet which moved the market yesterday yeah and after you know bill gross kind of you know piled into i i figured yeah. i'd i i would dial up blue okay and i had him on the absolute best uh closing minute the closing print the best show in the history of financial media uh <laughs> on and i had him talk about what's going on and this is what he gave me okay Okay, give us the Coles notes on this. No recession. Okay. Okay. And then just no recession. That's the bottom line. Yep. Why does he think no recession? Well, look at look what well, look what the market did, you know, with rates. This is the 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 one the uh the ten year yield, right? And look at it, rose in twenty and the market rallied, had a little bit of a pause. Had a little bit of rough sledding in uh, 21, pulled back at 22. Rates are going up again. They're up near 5%, but you really haven't broke this market. You haven't. What 
what do you, what defines inflation? Inflation or uh, a recession? That's high unemployment. How can you have a recession without high unemployment? I mean, this has been the bull argument the whole time: is that we've raised rates from basically free money up to you know five percent on the thirty year. Here we are now, and obviously lower rates as well. And still, this market is resilient, and still in the obviously the economic data, we haven't had a recession yet. So if we haven't had a recession yet, why would we have one going forward? This has been the bear, the bull argument. And that's a strong argument. The reason that I believe Blue is wrong here, the reason I believe was we're going into a global recession in 2024. And some of this being priced in, Joel, because it's not about, you know, stocks, just going the tangent here. Stocks are telling us there's problems here. IWM is at two-year lows. It's telling us there's problems here. But the biggest reason why, you know, is because people had a lot of savings. They had a lot of savings from COVID. They had a lot of savings from staying home for a bit. They've spent those savings. It takes time. It's not like we jack rates from 0% to 5% and instantaneously everybody is broke. It takes time to break people. That is what we are starting to see, the cracks forming where people are actually starting to have not as much money as they have in the past. I want to bring Money Mitch in this conversation here too. I think it's important to give another perspective as well. But my argument here is that we are finally starting to see the cracks where consumer is starting to run out of money. And that is why you don't get a recession. Just because you raise interest rates doesn't mean I have a recession the next month. We're what? 13, 14 months into this hiking cycle? How far are we in? When did they start hiking? What's the date? Beginning of 22? No, they didn't start at the beginning of 2022. No way. It was farther. It was farther. It was like March. They started talking about it in the beginning of 2022. When was the first actual rate hike? Chad, help me. I think it was like March or April of 2022. Just let me, before we bring Mitch in, let, let me give you another scenario. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say you guys are right. Let's say we are going into recession. What's the Fed going to do? They're going to lower rates. And this is my argument why I've argued that you can't get uber bearish in the end of the world coming. Now, the one concern is that the long rates are continuing to go up. The Fed doesn't control the long end. They control the short end. So that is somewhat concerning here. March 2022, thank you very much thinking about it and humble ninja. So we are 18 months into the hiking cycle. It's taken a long time for people to run out of money, but you are starting to see it. I mean, I think we're going to see it going forward here. And I could be wrong. I don't have a freaking crystal ball here. You know, we're just like trying to use common sense. But I'll tell you what, I've got a long ways, 23 years in the market, trading on common sense for the most part, not using technicals, using common sense, profitable every year for 23 years, made some pretty good calls. Called the recent Bitcoin rally. I've been tweeting it for a week, talking about it. ETF, two reasons. I mean, there there's a lot of reasons to think that blue might be right. And maybe, you know, this economy is just going to stay resilient no matter how high we raise rates. But I honestly think that the Fed isn't laying off the gas until they do break the consumer. They wanted to break the consumer. That was the whole goal, to kill inflation. They knew there was going to be some suffering here. So, I mean, maybe the Fed is done. But if this economy just continues to boom and we all just see, you know, like the economic data, why are they going to lay off the gas? So I think it's going to be a struggle in 2024. I want to bring Money Mitch in here. 
because I've been talking for three minutes on this. You set up an awesome question here, Joel. Chat, you guys can chime in as well. But I think it's an important discussion here. I mean, we're going to be in the middle of earnings season tomorrow when we're talking Microsoft, Google. So it's a good time to have this discussion. Money Mitch, what are your thoughts going forward here? Recession or no recession? And then give me your reasons. Yeah, so like I've mentioned and I mentioned it yesterday, I think that we'll have a little bit of a holiday period where things can seem a little rosier than they are because the consumer can, you know, still push into debt, right? Um, Debt levels are rising, but it's nothing unheard of yet. But of course, uh, I think you're going to see more and more people maybe use the affirm way, right? Uh, Buy now, pay later methods. Sure. Um, You're going to see more of that. And then as we go into January and February, I think all consumers will really start taking a look at their expenses. Rents gone higher, right? Student loans are back, right? Uh, Interest rates don't seem like they're going down anytime soon. And no, no, nothing that you buy is cheaper today than it was before the pandemic, right? Even I saw as of recent, uh, olive oil was spiking through the roof. Um, so it seems like everything that we buy now, we're paying more and getting less. At some point, either your wages need to go insanely higher to adjust to this. Like the UAW is trying to do. You hit the brake pedal. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I need to slow down my spending because if not, I'm going to get to a point where there's nothing in the savings account. And that's where we can't get to, right? They're already at that point, Mitch. To add on to your point, it's fabulous points you're making here. They're already at that point. We've seen consumer savings go down to basically nothing here. So, you know, you can zero hedge puts it out all the time. You know, they follow this stuff. You can see it. This is literally the issue is that the savings are now gone so if you don't have the money and this is the just the you know the way that you know we're built over here in north america it's consume until you can't i mean this is the way we've been built give them more money give them more debt consume bigger house better person that's the thought process here well things could change here and i mean and the consumer is going to have a point where they're going to have less money and they're at that point i believe right now and again talk to some people out there and in canada maybe we're in a completely different situation But I talk to my real estate buddy, Jeff, here all the time. And I'm talking to him, you know, how's it going? What's the housing market look like in Canada? And he's like, it is dead, meaning there is no buyers. He's like, we used to move. I was talking to him last week. He's like, stuff under 800,000, 700,000 was moving still. He's like, that stuff's at a standstill now, too. Nothing moving. Why? Because people... are there. They had these, you know, obviously, in their fixed rate mortgages are only five years in Canada. Some are coming due. Some are coming due. So it's all of a sudden, it's like, well, I go from 2% to 6% well, that or 2% to 7% or 8%, depending on your credit. I mean, it's harder to get the money to go and buy a new house. So what happens is real estate prices start to adjust. And we are starting to see prices come down in Canada. I think they're 19% off the peak. That's not nothing. That's something. Now, again, they rose so much during COVID. And this is the thing that I would argue. We've got to give back the COVID bubble. That's really what this market needs to do. That's really what the real estate market needs to do. It was all just a bubble. And in certain stocks, that has already happened. But in a lot of stocks, the COVID bubble still exists. That's where I would argue that I think we need to give back some of that, you know, irrational exuberance from the COVID bubble. So I complete continue to remain the bear camp. I've been completely right for the last couple of months, wrong for the first half of the year. 
But coming down here looking now, I mean, Joel, we want to bring you back into this. If I, I want to ask him, well, why is the IWM? Very important why is the IWM at three-year lows? Why have we given back the entire rally here? I mean, we're going right back to where we were, two-year lows maybe, but we're going right back to where we were in the beginning of 2021 before we broke out to the insanity. We're back to like where we were in 2019. No, no, we're back to where we were in 2017. The IWM, five years of nothing. That doesn't look like a booming economy to me, folks. The stock market, the IWM, which is 2,000 small cap companies, which rely on lending from banks, you know, more than anyone, is in a five-year sideways channel. Not telling me we're booming. And if this was the good times and this expansion has yeah. driven so much wealth and everybody's wealthier because it's been the best expansion of all time, well, you had 2,000 companies that didn't participate. So I would argue that the market is actually starting to wake up to the fact that good times, maybe not just on the horizon here for the near future. Uh, I mean, you can look at the IWM and I don't, I'm not invested in the IWM. That doesn't mean that the chart's not saying it looks good. It looks like it's on monthly support. I may put some money in the IWM if the if the rates turn. So to me, it's still on support. You know, I'm uh, S&P centric. I look at the, the S&P and I look at the triple Qs. But before we go to earnings, I have one fundamental question for Mitch. Mitch, yeah. where do you buy your olive oil? I mean, <laughs> you, go to, you gotta go to Costco. And you could get a thing like this. Be careful. And, that and, might be spiking twice the price, Joel, the next time you it, see it. It lasts you so long. I mean, you've got, you're buying your olive oil at the wrong price. No, you know what? Today, you know what? Opinions make markets. I wanted to share to you what, what Blue had, what the statistics. The yeah. markets obviously speak for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. We had, and the reason I want to talk to Blue yesterday is we, you know, uh, Ackman, you know, you could talk about his wars with Icon and everything. He was an influential person. He had a big bond short on. He covered it. Bill Gross is talking about, you know, regional banks potentially investing in them. There's a lot of different opinions in there. You know where I'm at in my, you know, cash position. Very high. Not changing off it. I'm an old man. I'm just talking to people out there yeah. that are investing long term in the markets. And for me, the reason we are going down the way we are going down is that the market is anticipating a peak in rates, a pause. I don't know about necessarily going lower rates. The market is learning to adjust to higher rates. If, can we adjust at 7%? No. But if they can hang out here at 5%, I don't think they have to go to 4%. I don't think they have to go to 6%. The market is adjusting. We should never have been at the low rates we had. That yeah. was artificial, and it's going to take years. Then you had a pandemic, and you work things out. This is normal. This is where rates are. People got spoiled. So mm -hmm. it's going to take a while to work things out. And I I'm agree. just in, in the 5% benchmark. So uh, whatever. I didn't mean to start a big fundamental. No, this is uh, yeah, an excellent conversation. Let this is an excellent point. It's something we need to do more often is get into a bigger topic here, Mitch. And yeah, I, let me I mean, let, let me go into here because uh, I think that I, I think you said something, Dennis, that I want to kind of a touch touch there. And you said that Please. this might have stemmed from the pandemic. I think this actually has stemmed from 2008 and the prior financial crisis. Sure. Right. I think they just passed the buck down the line. Sure. Right. And the pandemic was kind of the 
event that shook it all, right? Like completely knocked things around. And that's exactly why I'm going to be releasing my video today. You know, one of the things that I quote in the video is, you know, like Steve Carroll, the person that portrayed Steve Carroll in the big short is Steve Eisman, if you guys don't know. And he's saying right now that office real estate is going to be a problem. And that's a lot of what I bring in my video. So I think what ended up happening here is a pure systemic problem in lending. This is where we're really seeing the issues. And we all know how banks like to be greedy. And in that situation that you just mentioned, Joel, with zero interest, what did investors go do? They were greedy. They went and put as much money out as possible. We all seen it. The houses down the street are not probably owned by a person, but they're owned probably by an investor company. And I think that this is really kind of where the problem lies right now and where the next financial crisis could be coming. That's exactly why I'm doing my video today. And, and if you guys don't know, of course, I'm going to be releasing that video today at 9 a.m., so I think that if you want to learn a little bit more about what I think on this situation, especially when it comes to commercial real estate, you can't miss today's video, guys. That's going to be at 9 a.m. later today. Don't miss that, team. We can definitely get into that conversation. But Joel, you just said it. With zero interest, don't you think these banks got greedy here? And doesn't that open them to a world happened, of problems? What's happened with the banks? I mean, there's obviously there's loans that are going to come off the books. They 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 loan they did things. I, I'm not talking about, you know, going out and buying. I'm talking about the economy, okay? And the banks are a part of the economy. I mean, go ahead and short these things down there, looking for that, you know, looking for an epic collapse of the commercial real estate market. What I found investing in the markets for all these years is that the times that I'm waiting, maybe one time in COVID, that, that, that I got the timing right. What, what I found in investing is looking for these catastrophic things to happen and commercial loans and banks going out of business and, and talking about it. Seriously, you guys have been talking about a recession for two and a half years. Okay? Two and a half years. You guys talked about That's not China invading Taiwan that is not for two and a half years. The two and a half years ago, we were in 2020 and we were talking about this bull market. Two and a half years ago, I was long every single stock. Two and okay, a half years ago, I was long on margins. Ago. So yeah. that is not true. But I have been talking about a recession since the Fed started talking about raising rates. So, which is coincidentally, no, it's when the market peaked was when they started talking about raising rates. We have still not got back to that. You know, S&P 2021. Look when they started talking about raising rates. That's when the S&P topped out. For two years, we have not gone back up to there. What is a recession is no growth. Well, the stocks, I would argue, have been in a recession here, Money Mitch. I mean, you think that IWM, we're down from two in January, or in, in let's go to November of 2021, when they started talking and saying, we're going to raise rates. We're down 35% on the IWM. So we can say, yeah, maybe we didn't have a recession, although we had two quarters of negative GDP. So I'd argue that we probably did. Well, they always did. keep changing the definition. So. Well, we didn't change the definition. It was no, there. No, the Fed keeps changing the definition. They, they, whatever, the media. The media changes the definition. But I just think, like, there's a lot of risk here. So I, I love what you said. And if you're a long-term investor with a 20-year time horizon, you buy dips on good companies and you make money. So if that's your hat. Unfortunately for me, I make my living by timing the market. That is what I do. I make my living. I have no other job. 
besides, you know, doing pre-market prep or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, I make my living my entire life by timing the market, by being a market timer. It's not off my investment portfolio. I've always said, I don't know if I'm a great investor because I probably trade my portfolio too much. I'd probably just be better just to buy and hold. But from a trading perspective here, there seems to be an opportunity for me to keep saying, I think, you know, I don't know if stock's going to collapse from here, but I don't think we're going back up to highs either. So I've been arguing sideways, maybe trending down, but nothing I see in the regional banks, the IWM, you can say, oh, the banks are only 6% of the S&P or 8% of the S&P. But they're the driver for so much. Capital is the driver for the economy. It's what keeps the economy moving. So there's a lot of, you know, and this is a very heated discussion because this is why we're in a sideways channel here, Joel, is because there's bulls and there's bears. You know, me and Mitch are kind of on the bearish side. I can't figure out which side you're on because you talk bullish, but then you tell me you're all cash. So I don't know which side you're on. I'm I haven't old. been able to figure out I'm which old. side you're on. Why, why would I take <laughs> Well, are you? I, well, then tell us because I can't figure out if you're bullish or bearish. 40 years. Why do I need to go out and buy new stocks when I could put, when the money that I have in the, you know, new money coming in? What, when I wanted 7%, 8% was my goal in my portfolio for 30 or 40 years. Why, why wouldn't I lock this in? What, I mean, to me, it just, it would be, <laughs> It would be irresponsible investing to to risk capital when I could get paid on things. I mean, it, it's just it's everyone's time that, that, horizon. That's it's the every, problem. As higher rates at. go up, it's the Tina right back to the Tina being dead. Why? So, I mean, that's not good for stocks either. I'm just arguing. I don't think we're going back to all time highs anytime. Soon. I don't. I'm not arguing for all time highs, and I'm not arguing for all time collapse. I am just. For I am waiting for a recession. I am waiting for, you know, unemployment to go to six and a half, seven percent. That's what I'm waiting for. And when that happens, I will come on the show and I will say, I'm sorry. We're Do you know a why a big reason why unemployment is not going up, though? Because people don't want to work. So look at how it's calculated. You have to be looking for a job to go into those stats. Well, people don't even want to work. UAW is trying to negotiate a four-day work week. How much of the stats is cooked because of that? Yeah, people just guys, don't want to work or they just don't care. Uh, I'm going to move us forward, but I'm telling you guys we could literally talk all day about this, literally. I think and... it's fun. We don't do this enough. No, so no, I, I agree. Because we're agree. like a news show. We talk stock charts and we do this. But I think when we get into the big discussions every once in a while, I think it's good. And, and Chad, if you hate this, never want to hear any of this stuff again, you know, <laughs> let us know. We can stay away from this. But that Joel brought this know. up. I think it's an excellent point that he brought up. And I think we have a lot of diverse conversations. And this makes me think we're still going sideways because there's so many bulls yeah. and so many bears. And we didn't even talk about what Ackman did. I mean, it was, we, we need to men maybe mention the Ackman, the reason, you know, going yeah. into this. It was an Ackman bounce yesterday. I believe that. Sure. With my soul, I believe that. Mm -hmm. Like, there's people that don't believe that Ackman turned the bond market around yesterday. <laughs> I truly believe look he at turned the, chart. the bond market around yesterday with one tweet. What time right. did he do the tweet? What time? The, it, the, exact time the bond started rallying. But the you bond, just can look at the chart. People Show will say there. there's too much money, trillion dollars and trillions of dollars in bonds. There's no way Bill Ackman has that kind of power. He does, man. This yeah, market, so... in a stable market, he may not. If we were just sitting sideways and bonds were doing anything. But bonds are all over the place right now. They're looking for a vote of confidence. Ackman, throw the tweet here, Mitch. It came out at what time? Right about when the TLT started rallying. 
I mean, I'll give you guys like... a, a little bit of a wrap up right quick so that we can move yeah. on to some earnings because uh, we still got uh, Mish that will be on at 835. So stick around, team. Bill Ackman, of course, uh, covered his bet on long term treasuries due to the concern about growing uh, geopolitical risk, uh, especially the Israel Hamas uh, conflict. He believed that investors may turn to bonds the safe haven. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? That's why he said that he covered this position. What say again? Why he said so? It was a tweet, he said, and we know the algos. He, he said that investors may turn to bonds as a safe haven. Yeah. So if you read between the tea leaves, it actually wasn't bullish. But when you look at just the tweet, and the algos just read the tweet, it says, "I've covered my bond short." It just was literally that. I've covered my bond short, and all of a sudden, like I was looking, why is the TLT going up? And then some, and it was, um, you know, and, and again, you know, I don't follow Bill Ackman. I do follow Bill Ackman on Twitter, but I don't look at it all the time. But I want to get a shout out to the person who alerted me of this. Um, just trying to go back to my Twitter feed here for a second. But um, yeah, so anyways, it was uh, Claws on Nick. So one of our followers in the chat here. I don't know your real name, but you go by at Claws on Nick. Ginger Ninja. We don't Ninja. know anybody's name. Ginger Ninja. I love that name. Ginger Ninja. Uh, he's a Vegas, Las Vegas nice fan, so I don't like that. But Ginger Ninja came and he said, tweeted at me, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" I'm like, "That's it. That's why we're starting to go." And then you, like you said, Joel, Bill Gross jumps in there. What did Gross say? Ah, uh, he's looking at regional banks. But he, he also it, said it, something about the bonds too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put the, I put the tweet away. His was, uh, he was a little bit more on your, your you know, uh, a little bit more on your side. Like, you know, things, you know, that the, the, you know, things may slow down a little bit. And that's going to cause the Fed to pause. He, so he was a little bit more on your side, but he was still, he was still talking. You know, that he would, he said he was looking at regional banks and he thought raising P. But you know, the reason I wanted to bring Blue in is because. I, I speak to most. We don't have many economists on. I really don't understand what they say. He put things in simple terms. When we had him on a year and a half ago, he said inflation doesn't come down that easy. It's going to take some time. And you know what? It has. It has taken some time. So I just wanted to get his reading on that. He doesn't, you know, he's not making big calls on the stock market. I just thought it was an interesting perspective. And uh, we'll get him back. We'll get him back again. We'll see. We got. What uh, in the middle of the month we'll get some more inflation numbers? Uh, I love Blue. I'm all yeah, with Blue's him. a great. Guy. I think he's wrong though. I think we are going to get a recession in 2024. But just my opinion. Okay. Blue's been right before, so maybe I'm wrong. Let's go to the one of the best stocks this year, and I and I got to say this because I, I think there's going to be a lot of like kind of your older investors that are still hating this stock. But man, has this been a good one in 2023? General Electric Q3 adjusted EPS 82 cents beats the 56 cent estimate. Adjusted revenues at 16.5 billion. GE also announced a spinoff timing beginning the second quarter of 2024 as they'll separate into an independent GE Vernova and GE Aerospace. GE Vernova will list on the New York Stock Exchange under GEV, and GE Aerospace will continue GE's listing on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker GE. Uh, they did see fiscal year adjusted EPS at 255 to 265 versus a 236 estimate, up from the prior range of $2.10 and $2.30 on the high end. They killed it and they reported on the right day. Killed that's it, man. That's killed a tough it. thing to do, report on the right day in this market because we've been you, going You know down, what the stock like is forever. up for the year? 
I mean, it's been lot. very resilient. And people will say, Genji, what a fabulous company. What a fabulous stock until you look at the long-term chart. But <laughs> short term, last year and a half, can't argue with the performance. It's been an unbelievable yeah. performer in the last year. Yeah, it's been a, a really impressive run. And it was stuck in this channel for so long. And I was thinking that when it broke that channel, would it be the end of this move? And you guys can see it. It's coming right back up there, close to those highs. What do you see on the charts, Joel? Yeah, we bad uh, pre-market traders, after-hours traders. They're smart cookies out there. They're uh, out there at the 113.50 area. If I was on this thing, I'd be looking at this this area as well. Two daily highs, 13.40, 13.74. Gotta pay attention to that today. It's also right around the 50% retracement. I just don't like gaps. I just am not like a you know chasing them. So a gap and go, but. You really got to respect that resistance right there. We'll call it 113.65. General Motors Q3 adjusted EPS $2.28 beats the $1.88 estimate sales of $44.1 billion, beat the $43.68 billion. But GM CFO declined to speculate on how long the strike would last, but as a result has withdrawn the 2023 fiscal year profit outlook. I don't think this is good. Well, they wanted a pull, so I, I, I speculated they would be light on the guidance because they didn't know. They just pulled the guidance all together. So they did say, CEO did say, CFO maybe was on CNBC, and did say that they were tracking towards the higher end of that guidance before they pulled it. So that's good news. The bad news, I still think, is big ticket stuff isn't going to get bought. And to Spinner's point, maybe we got to tie in Polaris in with this because not that Polaris is a car company. But it sells big ticket stuff. And the PII earnings guidance, sales outlook, uh, not that great, really. Can we just do PII at the same time and then we'll do the technicals on both, Mitch? I got you. Yeah. So Polaris, PII. Uh, let me just pull it up here. I didn't have it. Yeah. They make they make toys, you know, like we're yeah, talking so jet skis, here. snowmobiles, like big ticket toys. Mm -hmm. uh, their EPS was at two dollars and seventy-one cents. Beat the two sixty-nine sales at two point two five billion. Missed the two point two five billion estimate. Should be off there a couple million. Uh, they revised their fiscal year sale outgrowth uh, growth outlook from three plus three percent to minus uh, minus. It was plus from plus three to plus six to plus three to plus five. So just slightly down, but the EPS growth they they adjusted that down fairly significantly. Yeah, it doesn't look good. We've, we've talked about it. Auto manufacturers is probably not the place to be, especially going into 24. And, and this is not an automobile breaks. manufacturer, Polaris, jet skis, snowmobiles. It's luxury toys is really what it is. Even worse, right? I, I, mean. I think so. Um, so I just use this as a tip and look at the stock. I mean, the expectations in this report were in the getter. We talk about expectations. I'm like, if they say anything, okay, when you have a chart like that, the stock pops. They didn't say anything okay. They adjusted EPS guidance growth down to minus 8% to minus 4% from minus 2% to plus 3%. So basically, they were looking at EPS growth to be flat. They're now adjusting and seeing EPS growth to fall as much as down 8% to minus 4%. So significant reduction in growth um, and earnings growth here and cutting the sales guidance to a certain extent as well. So, I mean, this is just what I'm talking about is the big ticket stuff is the first things you stop buying. So... You know, to talking to my real estate friend, you know, homes slowing down, Polaris slowing down, stuff slowing down, which giving me my argument that, hey, 
maybe 2024 isn't going to be all rosy and, you know, awesome and teddy bears and just, you know, just expanding and, you know, just everybody just having a party. I think it's going to get tougher. Yeah, it's a presidential election here, and we know what the presidential election cycle indicates. But uh, just for GM, I, I want a really bad report uh, to buy this thing. I was really hoping they were going to – because it doesn't go up on good reports. So, you know, it should go up on bad reports. I mean, it's just hanging in here, low of the move. And, I mean, now you got to say, hey, you got to stabilize back over 30 bucks. It broke down on the monthlies. Charts don't look good. The strike doesn't look good. Nothing looks good. It's probably a good buy. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did want to mention a really quick one in the chat. Uh, Camping World was set to buy 12 regional stores. And uh, I don't think this is, might be the best place and time to be going after a purchase. But just to mention another one with the details. That's a chart, that. too, I haven't looked at in a long time. Like this raging bull market that everybody's talking about here. Look at this stock. I mean, there's... And and we should just back up to have a bigger conversation. We'll bring Misha into this here too. But I mean, a lot of these stocks have priced in a recession. Like maybe this recession is coming and maybe stocks don't continue to go down because I'll tell you, the, the carnage outside of the Magnificent Seven is fairly impressive. I mean, here's the stock we haven't even looked at. CWH is cut in half in two months. So the market thinks something bad is coming, but maybe... It's all priced in. I mean, there's that argument there too, Joel. Like, what do you think when you look at a chart like this? CWH. I hate camping. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I consider camping? No cable. <laughs> no internet. No cable. No, internet. no yeah, it. cold and rainy. Yeah. Look out for black bears. Oh, I'm so afraid of it. And you know why Lisa will never go camping with me? Because she knows that she's going to have to set up the tent. She's going to have to do all the Because you don't do it. She'll have to do it. And I'll sit there with, uh, you know, with the uh, with the cock. I'll, I'll make sure I'll bring the cocktails and supervise. <laughs> we we need That's to get funny. over. I mean, if you're looking at camping world here, uh, until this thing can stabilize, show a bit above eighteen bucks. You, you know what then, Joel considers camping, yeah. man. That, that just go to a uh, a UM Michigan football game. That's camping enough. Man. That's tailgating. That's all. Oh, let's not get started on the Michigan stuff because don't talk the, sports. We no, hate no, sports. No, 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 no sports. I didn't start it. No I didn't start sports. It. We don't. Right, even, it's right. like a party foul on this show right now. You don't mention sports with Lions and Oilers and McDavid injuries and. Just everything going, more, everything was bliss in the sports world two weeks ago, and it's all went down <laughs> in a blaze of glory. And I don't even know what happened to the Lions. Let's not talk about it. All right, let's go to Raytheon Technologies. They're getting a big lift, of course. Yeah, they, uh, they, they used, they were hit hard after uh, just recently in early September. But Q3 adjusted EPS of dollar twenty-five beat the dollar twenty-one estimate. Adjusted sales of eighteen point nine five billion beat the eighteen point. Five nine billion estimate. They announced a ten billion dollar accelerated share repurchase programs, and I mean, a whole other conversation could be if these companies should still do these repurchase programs. But RTX updating also their guidance here, pushing it higher. Uh, looks great here on this. Report. I mean, they're doing a ten billion. People are worried about the costs of obviously the Boeing issue here, and when you're yep. doing a ten billion dollar buyback, they don't sound too concerned about it. So, which makes me more comfortable. I mean, this stock has been beat up. If they didn't have the Boeing issue, the stock would be over a hundred bucks. 
because you look at what the other defense, you know, Lockheed Martin breaking out. We're in war times. General Dynamics had its big pop. NOC. RTX really didn't participate much at all. <laughs> so maybe it's time for RTX to participate to a certain extent. But then you have the Boeing issue, you know, just looming over it. So, I mean, that's what keeps it depressed. But nice pop here, RTX. I'm not going to chase it, though. What a great area. What a great technical area if you're active in this stock because you had the one gap down and we kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then it turned out to be a big deal. Then it gapped down again. And on that sec <laughs> the second gap down you're day, it had that. a high at 8050. That's some target for some traders. Uh, 8019 is your pre market high. So first poke up there. Oh, let's see what happens tonight. But I can't give you any clear resistance. Um, until you get into that gap fill at 82.94, and that thing would have to be up 10 bucks. So that'd be a big move. But uh, let's keep it. Let's see if we can get into the gap area. As far as buying this thing, I'd, I'd love to see it come back to 74.5, 75, but that's not going to be happening today. Don't think so. All right, guys, it's time for our guest time. You guys smash the like. Mish Snyder, Managing Director of Market Gauge, and a person with a lot, probably as much experience in the markets as me, and as well as Dennis here. And uh, did you hear us arguing? Would you tell us to, to go to our room? Dennis, go to your room. You're interrupting Joel, and Joel Round is being it. obnoxious. I know, I do that. <laughs> Well, I heard you, you say, you this. said two and a half years ago. You know, ah, you were, get him, like, get him, get him, Mish, get him. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't remember what I said two and a <laughs> half years ago. I had to think about it. I mean, I guess it was post-COVID, so everybody was bullish then. Yep, yep, yeah. that, that is true, right? Yeah. How times have changed. Yeah, and then I started thinking, what did I tell you guys a month ago when I was here? <laughs> 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 I don't remember. But um, yeah, it's, well, it's certainly, I, and listening to where we're at right now and what's going to happen, it's, I, I did totally agree with the point that we have seen such carnage in so many areas of the market outside of the pockets that have done well, that perhaps, perhaps recession is priced in already. I think that could be an interesting theory. And I also have never really felt recession anyway. I've been more in the stagflation camp. And well, that so, sounds worse. <laughs> it, 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 it's worse for the Fed, yes. And, and, and it's not great for traders and investors because, as we know, we can range. And that's what it looks to me like we could be heading towards. So far, we've held people at, were all about the 420 level. And I, I smile at myself when I say that. Um, and in SPY. But uh, 417 was really even more important um, in, in a monthly chart because that was when we had the big breakout over the 23-month moving average, which is how I came into this year, watching that 23-month, two-year business cycle. So we've retraced. And hence, that's where the stagnation could lie. I mean, could we break it and go to 400? Yeah. But I don't think we're going to crash. But I don't think we're going to soar either. I think we're going to find a comfortable area until certain things in the world calm down, until we really understand what the long bonds in particular are going to do, because they could actually signal a recession, potentially they haven't yet. 
And that's kind of what fourth quarter could look like. Pockets will do better and uh, and maybe we'll get some short covering and good bounces on the ones that have been destroyed. And I have a couple of those in my head. I do too. Yeah. Why don't you give us a couple of those? Well, you know, I, I, when I say this, I even I scare myself when I say this, but, um, <laughs> but I actually have a position in it, so I'm not that scared. Um, I, I, I have this sense, this feeling, and I have to say, this is just a feeling. This is not based on really, well, a little fact, and that is 3D systems, which went down to like $3.80, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a company, this was the original IP <clears throat> of 3D technology. Yeah, They're was. the ones who put together, you know, being able to print an ear, for example, in biotech or all of the dentistry that you see where they now 3D print crowns. They're the ones who made deals with companies, uh, aer aeroplanes, aer aerospace companies for parts in planes 3D printed that were lighter. And they're the ones, or one of the companies, that have been experimenting with 3D building of, of homes. And I'm like, that's got to be worth something. So clearly, it's one of the most poorly managed companies in the world. That's why this stock has just collapsed. But the IP is worth something. And about two months ago, I guess, there was this chatter between Stratasys and uh, uh -huh. Metals about a takeover and they were looking at $24 a share, and then they rejected it, which is amazing. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why this thing has just collapsed. But I just keep thinking some company somewhere has to say, I want that IP. It's got to be patented. I want that IP. And at $4 a share, how much lower can this stock go? And can it get back up to $10.15? I'm not even talking explosive. But that would be, you know, a double, triple in the current stock price. I'll take that all day long for a dollar risk. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Not a bad play there. Um, just to mention two others that are in this camp and also Chief DM and VLD Velo 3D that does uh, SpaceX 3D printing. Um, so this is interesting space. We should not do, you, do you guys remember? I, I don't. Um, there was a stock. I think it's still Organova. Remember this one, ONVL? Yeah. Dennis, remember oh, yeah, yeah. they created an apple um, that you could eat? No, uh, he couldn't eat it. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I think you could. I think I bought this. Yeah, but but okay. they were, that was a joke, but Organova was the organs. They were creating the organs out of oh, 3D that's printing, right. like organs for you. It was an awesome concept. And I mean, the story drove that in 2016 to $100 a share. Obviously, it didn't materialize and it's back at a buck, but. Tamisha's point, is there some diamonds in the rough here? I mean, I think if you're a stock picker and you really know the businesses here, not all of these companies are going bankrupt. No, and and and, and 3D technology, it was kind of like AI is now. It was all the rage when it came out. And then obviously it never really was able to be transferred into the retail space. And so that's the thing. And I think a lot of these companies now that are doing well, are doing well because we're they're in a more of a defense area and we happen to be in two wars uh well one war really the other we're not quite sure what's happening yet so it, 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 that, i think it'll come around that's what i'm saying and then and and like i said 
from a trader's perspective, maybe I'd risk a dollar. I think I have my stop under 350 or something. I'm like, that's it. Obviously, the company will, is going bankrupt potentially. And if I can get up to 10, I'd be like, thank you very much. Big wallet 450. Uh, that's what I was looking at in uh, 3D systems. So uh, the reason I want to have you on is, uh, you know, there was some some of the big guns out there with, you know, Bill Ackman, Bill Gross, uh, talking about, you know, the bond markets and their position. Oh, Joel, Joel just got Joel just got Joel the rug pulled. I don't know if he hit the back button or not, but uh, there he is. There yeah, he like, is. What? He pulled his own rug. <laughs> What's up, Joel? What happened there? Welcome back. I was tapping my finger there, and I'm like, well, you can't <laughs> hit the back button, Joel. Two things. Talk to us about the bond market. Do we okay. have a turn? Mm -hmm. I guess we could throw that into the Fed, and then let's go to the IWM. Okay. So. Um, I can't necessarily say with any assurity that this is a permanent turnaround in the bond market. I was looking for 81.50 and we got to like 82.40 yesterday. So it's close to where my target was. And my target was based, by the way, on technicals of a monthly Bollinger Band, which, by the way, we also had the same one in DDD, by the way. It kind of touched on it or came right to it. Um, from a real motion or momentum indication, it came into this week with a mean reversion. So it was due for a bounce. Um, and then, you know, from a, from another, if you look at the, some of the other charts, I mean, obviously we could be seeing some kind of a bottom V bottom type in the daily chart, but we we have so far to go. We have to get through the 10 day moving average. And then we have to get through the 50 day moving average, which isn't up until 90 area right now. So here's how I look at it. To me, if the bond market rallies and the S&P 500 rally in concert, that's great because everybody's going to be getting super bullish if that happens. However, if the bond market rallies and the S&P 500 doesn't participate and we start to see the bonds outperform the S&Ps, that's a warning. That is a classic risk-off environment. Yesterday, if you look at the leadership indicators of SPY and TLT, they are kissing at the same point. They are both performing the same. So what's going to be really important over the next few days is to see what happens. Up in tandem, okay. SPY flattens the lines and bonds continue up. The market is signaling that maybe the timing wasn't exactly the perfect timing but maybe recession isn't exactly off the table, or at least like I say, stagflation gets more dicey because we start to see this sort of recessionary numbers hitting other areas like the labor market, which has been so strong. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So just quick technical question here, and I'll let the, the guys take it away here. Um, like when you hear people talk about moving averages, and actually, I, I saw a young lady on CNBC talk about, well, well, the 200-day moving average we traded. What do you like? What do you do? You use closes of it? Do you uh, closes above it or below it? I mean, you can always say what it is. We all know it's a lagging indicator. I, I mean, that or Dennis and I don't use them. I use closes to me, like. If there's a good closing level, man, you got to close. You got to close above or below it two, three times. What what criteria do you use for your moving averages? 
Well, you're giving me such a great opportunity to talk about my book for a second. So my book, Plant Your Money Tree, is all about moving averages. And I use a weekly time frame in the book because I assume not everybody is as active as we all are in trading. But it works the same way. So there are six phases. And that's how I look at it. If we get through, let's say, a 200-day moving average, and let's talk about the SPY, right? It got right up to the 200, but didn't close above. So I'm with you on the close. Or it's the afternoon, and it's so obviously clearing. But I look for a two-day confirmation before I say, yay, we've had a phase change. And if we go from what we had as a distribution phase, which we were coming into confirmed in the SPY because we couldn't get that close, today we clear the 200 and we stick that would put us back into a caution phase because we're still underneath the uh, the 50, right? So the 50 is above the 200, but the price, if it goes above the 200, would be back to a caution phase. I would want to see that happen today and then again tomorrow. And so I'm kind of in that two-day confirmation camp before I get too excited. All right. I think you, Mitch, uh, Mitch Stewie, yeah, you're go ahead, Mitch. up there. No, go. go ahead. Yeah, I, I just Triple D, the book you got, you guys, right I've been talking I'm, a lot. I'm going to have to take a look at this for my book club. Mitch, I'm going to reach out to you. We'll, we'll take a look at it, maybe add it to oh, the book club. Send me your address. I'll send you a copy signed. You see? It's always great to talk books, man. Signed I love you, Mitch. I love you, Mitch. Hey, there you go. It, it's Buy some extra great. olive oil with the money you're saving. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mish. Now, uh, one thing that I will be covering a little later today is commercial real estate. And I wanted to get your perspective on commercial real estate. So well, what do you I, think about that situation? Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned uh, small caps, you know, so that's my granddaddy of the yep. U.S. economy, right? And commercial real estate is very tied into that because a big part of the small caps is actually financial. So there's you know, some regional bank in there. And there's also some real estate in there. Um, and, and so what do I think about commercial real estate? This I actually now I, I'm having a flashback. I do remember we talked about before. I think it has to evolve um, as the times have changed. I mean, clearly the work from home, you know, we're looking at uh, talking to somebody who might start working for us uh, on the asset management side. And he's like, well, one of my criteria is I can work remotely. And I don't think that's an unusual statement from people. And of course, that's affected commercial real estate. But <clears throat> I think it'll just change. It'll adapt. And But it could hurt first. In terms of IWM, though, I think that's why I like to keep it simple and not overthink all the different pockets. If we keep it simple and just look at IWM right here, now that not only crashed below the 23 month while SPY has retraced to it. So there's that great divide between the small caps, the S&P, and of course the growth stocks in NASDAQ, you know, those alligator jaws that you see sometimes people draw wide, wide, wide. But it also broke down under the 80 month moving average. And this is super important because it's a month moving average. So back to your point, Joel, where would I count that as an actual failure? October 31st. If we close below 170 by the end of the month, then it is actually a monthly breakdown. Now, we can go back through it in November, but who wants to wait two months for a confirmation? But if it breaks below, I would probably be more cautious if we can't get back through 170. And if it comes oh, back, beautiful. One, yep. and if it gets through 170, I'd be like, buy everything. You know, that's that's an there we go. Yeah. And, and XRT, his wife, Granny, you know, I love to talk in that language has not broken 
the 80 months. So right now, between the TLTs, like I said, which could really, this is all you need really to, to be a macro expert. I mean, I go on all the time and people want the macro, but really what I'm doing is interpreting what, what these things are telling us technically. So retail is telling us that the consumer is hurt, but not like so much pain because it's still above an 80 month moving average. The small caps have been impacted by commercial real estate, by regional banks and some of the other companies that could not handle these high interest rates. And transportation, the other inside sector is also doing even better than both of those. So this is where the stagnation comes in. But if the TLT start to outperform the SPY, risk off. If IWM can't get through 170 and granny starts breaking down under 57 XRT, definitely risk off. And the reverse is true. If we get one through 170, if TLTs don't start screaming above the SPY and retail can actually hold up here and maybe get back above that 60 level because it's kind of tried it last week, I'll get a lot more bullish. And I think up until that point right now, that's why I've been so focused on commodities and a couple of other areas that I really like. You know, like we, I've been touting Coinbase for over a month. Be patient because there will be talk of spot ETF and that will benefit if you're not like Great into call. buying Bitcoin. And, and we, I think we even talked about Bitcoin. I mean, over 28, I started getting bullish and we actually took a profit in our quant model in, in it yesterday at 33. So, you know, there you go. You got to you got to look at what's decoupling, but at the same time, keep your eye on those areas of the actual. Misha, Misha, before we yes, let sir. you go, we're going to let me go. Uh, no, I'm not going to let you go because I got oh. one more thing. Okay. <laughs> I, always, I always tell floor stories. Okay. okay. Oh, floor stories. Okay. And I don't know if we got I've told some over the years and I go off on a tangent, maybe just working at home, not being around other people instead of being cramped with 500 people. Do you, do you have one for us? I don't know if you told us one over the years. Do you have one that's like shaped your your market sentiment? Or I know being a woman on the floor, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I know. I, I told you this, Joel. That wasn't even all that interesting because it did, they didn't care that I was a woman, really. You know, it was more about was I a trader? You know, and then I think that's how you get accepted into the club down there okay. back in those days. Is if if you if you take your nuts knocks like everybody else, and you have a good sense of humor, and you play play nice with others, and you know how to trade, and you've got something to to offer to the group, you're accepted. I Did don't you ever get knocked down? No, I never got. So you, so so I'll tell you. Okay, so you want to hear like a little gross story? So you know, one of the things I always like to talk about is how. We, we, we measure momentum now with an indicator, but down there, you could see it, you could feel it, yeah. you could hear yeah. it, and sometimes you could taste it and smell it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the worst times in the market for me as a small person, and I would step, so there were four steps down, and then, so back in the day, right, there were four steps, and then in the middle of the ring, were the people who caught all the cards. So as you were trading, as a, as a trader, you would write your order that you just did and filled and you'd throw it, fling it into the middle and those guys would gather it up and that's how they got the prints. They did it so fast. I mean, it was amazing. So there were three steps down. I stood on the third step down, which means I had two tiers of guys above me and one tier of guys below me. And I say guys, there was maybe one, max two other women in the pit. On um, this was crude oil. So maybe there were like 200 people in the pit altogether. It was a big ring. And then after lunch, 
it sometimes the, the ring would get cleared out no matter how busy it was because as you can imagine what people ate in the moment when momentum oh would start to pick up all senses got engaged and that's the most delicate way i could put it but sometimes <laughs> here i am all these years later and at around that noon one o'clock time you notice sometimes the market will do exactly opposite of what the rest of the day was uh, well, did you ever get fined? Did you ever get fined? Me personally? No, I got I got okay. dragged into. Uh, uh, That's I only got, you, Joel. Yeah, no, I got dragged into a controversy because I was keeping charts in the coffee ring, and this guy he's passed now, so I don't want to speak ill of him, but he had a he had a real problem with a woman in the ring, and then a, so he used the charts. He was like the one one of the few people, and he brought me up on charges that you're not supposed to bring charts in the ring. And oh, I man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a whole hearing and it was crazy, but I won. So, all right. We got to let you go won. now. Me, Snyder, Mark, all right. you got to catch it. We got you a long time. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, Mish. Oh, Take thank care. you guys. Have a great day. Thanks. All Mish. right. Time to wrap up the markets. Love here, the floor guys. stories, though. Yeah. No, the floor stories. I mean, those are some of the best moments ever. And I mean, that's why we have like Joel Alconin and Dennis Dick and we bring on I wasn't on the floor, really... but I get them all from Joel. So. Yeah, we get these stories. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know you're like me, Dennis, and you, you probably th thought when you first started trading that you'd be a, like kind of those guys on the floor yelling, I want, I want Apple, I want Apple. But unfortunately, we get to yell from our house nowadays. Yeah, um, no, I just yell at my computer all day. <laughs> and I throw my trash on the floor here just in front of me. Yeah, yeah. See all the wrappers. I, I'm with you on that too, Dennis. Bars. I should actually show you my girl. It's all full of that same stuff, all the Nutri-Grain bars and all the other things. So it's like the floor in here. You know, I'm like busy, ah, trading, ah, throw it on the floor. All right, Joel, let's take a look at the ES final outlook for the market here. Oh, well, we're hanging. We're hanging up 23 and three quarters handles. Uh, like to see us take out the pre-market high. And then above that, we have yesterday's high. So that's only 14 handles away. That would be uh, a nice target on the upside. On the downside here, we, we've sliced and diced through this area. So I don't know. I think if you're holding out for unchanged, you might have to wait. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get un unchanged unless we get to bad economic numbers or a tweet. Oh, no, I'm not saying tweet anymore. I'm going to say no, I axed and you I, I am officially not saying the word tweet anymore. So I would look at mid range on the session, few traders and investors out there. Take a look at uh, yesterday's high for potential targets and your individual issues. All right. Last um, comments, Dennis. What would yeah, you be I watching? just think we're going to be in store for more chop. It's not going to be easy sledding for the bulls okay. or the bears. I think today's show encompasses all of that because obviously we got heated battles in the show heated battles in the chat heated battles in the market what's that mean more chop and more sideways action so sideways for the win all right team that's gonna wrap it up for pre-market prep who do we have on tomorrow joel oh you caught me sleeping ah, caught no. him sleeping yeah <laughs> always have oh it up he gets on me sometimes about these guest comments. Stall a little team, more so for Joel. Enjoy Stall. these moments. Piling on here, but I will have it. I go to my trusty calendar. All right. Oh, oh, you guys are gonna love this. More floor stories. Greg Weldon, Weldon Financial. Oh, nice. Hmm. in the gold pit. 
that's going to be our guest. I dug him I up. like it. So, Greg Weldon tomorrow for you commodity people. All right, guys. That's going to do it for Joel and Dennis. I'll get them out of here. Up next, guys, my video's going to start in just about a minute here, guys. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here if you guys want to check out my epic video, my best video ever on the regional banked and commercial real estate. All I got to say is the clock is ticking, team. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss this video. It's only 12 to 13 minutes long, somewhere in between there. So check it out, guys. And then I'll bring you guys over to live trading. That's starting up right now. Don't go anywhere, team.